Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank, and today we're going to be doing another listener spotlight. And we haven't done one of these in a while, but recently I got to hang out with this listener when she bought Pat's ticket for the Santa Barbara Rock Invasion 2 show. And we got to hang out a little bit, and she's great. Uh, we had this discussion before that show, but it was a fun chat, and we think you'll enjoy it. So, here is my discussion with listener Monet Hasidi. Monet, welcome to the Pumpcast. Hello, thank you for having me at the Pumpcast. I'm so excited about talking Smashing Pumpkins with you because I am a super Smashing Pumpkins nerd. Yes. So we we know each other over the Instagram, and you have been posting some of the best like fan stuff uh, for the Pumpkins for a while now since we've been following each other. So I guess I want to get started with... Um, People who don't know who you are, who are you, what do you do, and when did you first hear the pumpkins? Okay, so I am Moneha City. I am a fan from Sacramento, California. I am also a black woman, um, which is kind of important to distinguish in this fandom. <laughs> um, I am the Smashing Pumpkins fan with 37 Smashing Pumpkins tattoos. I have all the original melancholy lyric booklet symbols tattooed on me and then quite a few others. Um, I've seen Smashing Pumpkins 45 times. I waited outside a record store for their Resume the Pose like autograph tour for like 27 hours. Um, and I waited outside Jay Leno for their final performance in November of 2000 for that show for 33 hours. Oh, wow. Oh, I I want to ask about that later, so let's put a pin in that. But yes, please continue. I am a hairstylist and burlesque performer, and I have performed acts to Smash and Pumpkin songs. <laughs> um, I got into them mainly, like, I was a little bit familiar with them because I loved the single soundtrack when it came out. And I kind of vaguely knew of the band, and I knew that there was a woman in the band. And when I heard Drown, I actually thought it was the woman in the band singing at the time. Mm -hmm. But then... As videos became into rotation, like, I fell in love with Today and then would watch Disarm. But Rocket, every time Rocket would come on, I would literally stop what I'm doing and I was just like, I love this band. I love the <laughs> fact that they look like they don't fucking match with each other. <laughs> and it's just such a wonderful thing. And I actually consequently named my first cat Rocket, my second cat Zero, and my third cat Starla. Oh. That's great. You actually posted a picture of Rocket recently. Yeah, it was the anniversary of his passing. And it's so funny because when I first got him, I would play Smashing Pumpkins on my CD player and he would come like sit next to it. Oh. But then after a while, he quickly realized like this bitch listens to them every day. <laughs> so, yeah. And like, it's just how my cats are. Yeah. Well, I have two of my own and uh, they're just insane they're wonderful i love them so much um so what is it i know you said it was kind of appealing because they had a woman in the band but what was it when you heard them like why why this band why why be so fanatical about the pumpkins what what resonated with you well i remember buying siamese dream when it came out on cassette and like listening to it like all the time um which I just realized going through my collection, I have all the major releases prior to the breakup on cassette, which I'm going to post a picture of those nice. probably soon. But I actually, um, trigger warning, suicide talk. I um, have had thoughts of killing myself since I was five years old. And for me, being a black woman at a predominantly black school, listening to like rock music and things like that. Like my first alternative tape that I had was actually uh, R.E.M.'s Out of Time. And I remember that when I said that's what I wanted for my birthday, everyone around me was like, you need to get something a little bit more ethnic, like technically black. And they got me a tower gift certificate. And with that tower gift certificate, I actually went to buy R.E.M. Out of Time because <laughs> that's what I wanted. Yeah. 
And I actually still have that cassette like 30 years later. Oh, amazing. But yeah, uh, for me, I dealt with a lot of depression. And my freshman year in high school, I was actually hospitalized for suicide attempts. Um, so kind of, especially for kids that grew up in the 90s, like, it's weird because it's a depressing era, but I feel like things are super depressing now, which is weird to me because music-wise, it's not being expressed. Yeah. Um, things are very dire right now, if we were going to keep it real. Like, yeah. to me right now, the way the world is and what's happening makes the 90s look like fucking rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> um, so for me, as a depressed, you know, teenager, um, black teenager that there's a few white kids at my school, but like, you know, I'm listening to stuff that nobody really around me is like listening to. Um, and the depression and finding out that like he wrote today when he was like on the verse, like about to commit suicide just kind of resonated with me as like a person. And so from then I was like, everything that they come out with, I'm going to fucking get. Um, and that's kind of what started it. It made me feel less alone in my sadness and depression. Yeah, that's awesome. That I somebody mean, else is going through it. So that's, you know. Yeah, it's nice to not feel alone. And also talking to other fans, too, they kind of had that similar experience. I know I had a similar experience to that. And it just, it's kind of amazing how music can do that. And especially one particular band. Um, so even then, I mean, I'm a big fan, but I've only seen the band a ha like a handful of times. What made you want to see them so many times? Well, I remember they were... Well, actually, in this story, I'm so sad about it. A friend of mine had gotten tickets for Tibet, Tibetan Freedom Fest concert in San Francisco when oh. Smash and Pumpkins played. Yeah. And then they lost the tickets. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's before digital, too, because then you can't... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah so uh the melancholy tour is coming i asked my mom i was like hey mom can you like drop me off at the tower record so i can just buy tickets and like i knew nothing about co buying concert tickets at that point like yeah how i know now i'd been to concerts before like my first concert ever was janet jackson's rhythm nation tour holy shit which i'm very proud of yeah um but I had my mom drop me off and then I'm a single person. So like I bought my ticket and I was on the floor, 27th row at Arco Arena in Sacramento. And I was so excited. And I worked at Chuck E. Cheese at the time. And at Chuck E. <laughs> Cheese, you had to write down why you were requesting the time off. And I put Smashing Pumpkins concert. And this guy like was like, looked at me and he's all, you like Smashing Pumpkins? And I was like, yeah, they're like my favorite band. And he was just like shocked and surprised. And so then... We all know the tragedy that happened. Yeah. Um, and then my show got postponed till December of that year. Um, and I remember going there by myself. I bought my Smashing Pumpkin shirts. I like sat down like in my seat all by myself <laughs> with all these like strangers around me. And I actually have a copy of that show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my first time. And so then... In 98, they did the Adore tour, and I think that's when, like, they got, like, Key to the City and all that stuff, and they were doing the, donating the tour proceeds to, like, charities um, in 98, and then I didn't go to any Rising tour because I wasn't, like, so hip to stuff yet, mm -hmm. and then around late 99, maybe 2000, I joined, and I'm gonna say it, I know people hate them, but for me, it was, like, the first website that I found <laughs> That was a fan site, Netphoria. Mm -hmm. And then being on Netphoria, I found stuff. And then I was like, they were coming to do the signing at Dimple Records. And I tried to call the radio station and be like, I have a Smashing Pumpkins tattoo. Like my Smashing Pumpkins tattoo is actually the first tattoo I ever got. Oh, wow. And I was just like, they were like, no. And I was like, uh, and so I was like, screw it. I'm just going to like wait out here. So I waited 27 hours. And when I met them, I was just like, oh my God. And Billy, that's when Billy was a little bit more touchy feely. <laughs> um, I've actually got to rub his head. Um, back in the day. 
And that night they were playing the edge and this girl I met in line, they told her to like bring friends. And so she brought three of us, but they were like, you can only bring one of them. And so I was like, I've seen them. I'll wait outside. And then she was arguing with people on the inside. I mean, the other person who didn't get in was like, we don't have keys keys to the car. What are we going to do? And like, she was like yelling about it. And some radio station person handed her two tickets and we literally bumped into each other. And she, that's how I got to the edge show to resume the pose at uh, Palo Alto, February 6, 2000. Wow. And then from there, I met other fans and I was like, outside of the scope of like going to San Francisco, because in Sacramento, it's like an hour and a half away. I never thought about like, well, let me go to all these other cities. So then on the Machina tour, I wound up going to, after Palo Alto, I went to the show in Santa Barbara, the show in Berkeley, the show in Portland. I did Somersault um, August that year. They played in Vancouver, Canada. Mm -hmm. I did the Jay Leno and then I was at the final shows, um, the United Center and the Metro. Wow. Which I will say for the Metro for me, and this is also a wonderful story, like I had tickets to United Center like most of everybody did. Mm-hmm. And and the thing about that show was awesome too, is that I actually met Billy Sr. Oh. And Matt Walker when they were like walking to their seats. Oh, um nice. And I met, I don't know what I did with the ticket stub. It has to be somewhere, somewhere um, that was signed by Matt Walker and Billy Sr. <laughs> I hope I didn't lose it, but that is kind of a possibility. It's been a long time, but I have a lot of other stuff. But so um, the Metro, I didn't have a ticket to like a lot of people didn't have tickets. And it's like December in Chicago and it's fucking cold and I'm a California kid, but I'm out here just like whatever. And they put out speakers for people that were waiting outside to hear. And... I'm at front of the barricade and my friends were like, we're going to get some food. You want to come? I said, no, I'm just going to wait till, you know, they're like, we're going to go back to the hotel. I said, I'm just going to be out here. And then like this guy came out and handed me a ticket. What? (laughs) And I was like, why did you give this to me? And he's all, you looked really sad. And I was like, oh my God. So I get into the Metro I have Rick Nielsen's guitar pick from when he played Chair Brock with him. Holy shit. And I do have the CD that they gave out uh, with James' artwork from the first show they did at the Cabaret Metro. Uh-huh. And um, my friends afterwards were like, where were you? And I was like, I got into the show. <laughs> and they're like, what? Because, you know, people spent like $1,500 on fake tickets, all yeah. that stuff. Like, and there were so many people and for me to get in how I got in, like I'm forever grateful for that. And I remember like calling back home and I was like, Oh my God. And it's like in the middle of the night, I was like, I got into the final show. And <laughs> for the longest time I said, I would put that like on my grace stone. Yeah. <laughs> I got into the final show. <laughs> and so from then they did the reformation. I went to like, eight Zwan shows also in the meantime. And then they announced the residency at the San Francisco Fillmore. And I set side people. I like had a team of three of us. It's like, you're going to take it from this day. You're going to get tickets this day. You're gonna, like, they first only um, booked seven shows. And so everybody got their assigned days except for me. And I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? And then when I was online, I noticed they added more and more shows. And then I was like, oh my God. So I went to all the Fillmore shows plus Santa Cruz was what, 13 shows in two and a half weeks. Holy shit. Um, I work from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in Sacramento and then drive to the city and then drive home at like one o'clock in the morning and do it all over again. And I'm actually on the DVD of If All Goes Wrong. That's awesome. And so then the subsequent tours, I just started as like, well, I'm going to go if they hit every part in California, I'm going to go in California. If they hit Vegas, I'm going to go to Vegas. And that's how... Um, it got to 45. That's incredible. Well, so wait, what was the, you said at that time you had your first pumpkins tattoo. What was the first one? The f- <laughs> If you remember. Okay. This is what part of the times were, we didn't know anything about cultural appropriation. <laughs> um, it's like the SB heart in a tribal armband situation. Right. Yeah. Well, but that, 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 yeah, that was the time that was the, the look. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> 
Because my thing was like, I want a Smashing Pumpkins tattoo, but I want it to be cool. Yeah. And that's what it was back then. So that was my my first one. But I do have the SP Heart proper. Nice. Um, I have the SP Cross. I have the Aeroplane Flies High plane. I have Persnickety and Pisces Iscariot uh, font tattooed on me. An extra muzzle star. But I have the SP cross with like Japanese characters of everybody's name, uh-huh. including Melissa and Darcy. Oh, wow. And sometimes when you get tattoos like that, what you thought was written on you is actually not <laughs> what's written on you. <laughs> but one day I was out and this lady was like, who's Billy? Oh. And I was like, what? And then she read the names and I was like, oh. It's right. <laughs> I was so happy that it was accurate. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I've been meaning to, Pat has one uh, on his wrist um, of the moon uh, from Melancholy. I have yet, I have no tattoos. I'm 40 years old. I have no tattoos yet, but I will get I think I'm going to get some soon, um, but definitely one will be a pumpkins one. Uh, I just haven't made the leap yet. Uh, Before it was because I was acting and, you know, it's hard to cover up those tattoos and they don't like it. But now it doesn't matter. (laughs) Now they don't care. Yeah. Now that I mean, looking at like the strides and makeup that been made to cover that stuff. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, what would you say? I mean, you've seen so many shows, but is there one that would that stands out to you uh, as one of your favorites? To me, the Ed Show uh-huh. in Palo Alto. That one, um, if you're not familiar with it, is when Billy tells like the Little Red Riding Hood story, and then the intellectual ending. Um, and it was the first time seeing them with Melissa, and it's this very small place. I think it maybe fit five to seven hundred or something like that at the most. Wow. And there's just something about the energy and he was just so positive. And like the way they bantered with the crowd was with the way that I not seen on that level up until that point. Yeah. Um, and I have a copy of that show. Like if you can find it's such a great show. Um, and that, that I think that's to me that stands out even though I went to the final show the Metro. Yeah. There's just something about that Ed show that like when I listen to it, just brings me back to that time. Cause in the year 2000, I was working in a call center and I, you know, I had PTO, like it was my first like adult, really good paying job. Yeah. And my boss got to the point, he's like, you're going to see Smashing Pumpkins again, aren't you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, cause that was the year. Yeah. I went to Canada and the Jay Leno and Chicago and everything. So this is 2000 to me, I feel as a fan was like the best year to be a fan. Yeah. They gave so much to us that like, like all those store signings. I mean, for me, like the likelihood is like, I'm never going to meet Billy Corgan, like never. Mm-hmm. And giving that to us and everything. And then those shows was just a wonderful, wonderful time. And then like all the extra content that came out with Machina and like the glass stories and all that stuff it was just a different era is a really beautiful time to be a fan that's awesome so okay so you went to that final show but then also you talked about how you were at the residency shows um the kind of infamous residency shows we're going to cover uh sometime in the near future uh if all goes wrong and the kind of almost like a vibe of that is that the audience wasn't feeling it and there's all this kind of kind of bleakness to it uh that's kind of hard to watch at certain times and you being in the audience for those shows did you feel that or do you feel like that was more of a kind of editorial choice that they made to kind of drum up the drama for that that particular release you know i feel it because like going to all this 13 shows in two and a half weeks um which i there was one show i i'm gonna say there was one show i wasn't gonna go to because i had tickets for daft punk at the greek theater in berkeley oh wow and my friend his wife wound up not being able to go to the show with him so he had an extra ticket and i sold that daft punk ticket because i was like if i'm gonna do it 
I'm going to do all of them, I guess. I yeah. guess it was meant to be for me to do all these shows. I sold the ticket for face value because I'm not an asshole. <laughs> yeah. um, and I also got to see them in the tent at Coachella in 2006. So awesome. I've seen Daft Punk. So it wasn't like I'd never seen them. Yeah. Um, but for the pumpkins, it was like, I'm going to finish it out. So the first night I sat up in the balcony of the Fillmore and watched everything. And to me, like, I guess people didn't know what quite to expect because mm-hmm. they did have the show in France. And like, I think video of that was kind of making its way around. Um, but for me, it seemed like everybody I was in line with, because we'd all get in line there so early, um, were very positive about it, but we weren't really familiar with the newer material. And I think for, at that time, with the pumpkins kind of reforming and coming back, for a lot of people, their main priority was wanting to listen to the old songs. Yeah. Like, start off old, and then bring us into the new. Right, like easing into it a little bit more. So I think that's probably where a lot of the disappointment or discontent and everything went from everybody was just that they wanted to hear the old stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, for me, I was just like grateful to be there. And like when you go to the Fillmore in San Francisco, there's somebody at the top of the stairs who offers you an apple. Okay. And at the last night he looked at me he's all can i shake your hand and i was like why and he's like you've been here every night (laughs) and i was like oh thank you and then oh yeah another show because they added a radio listener show and i didn't have tickets for that but somebody who got a ticket for that put me as their plus one and that's how i was able to go to that show so like i was really blessed in a lot of ways to be able to experience all the shows yeah because I, i i mean it was meant for for me to experience that so i feel though a lot of people just wanted to hear old stuff and they weren't so receptive to the new yeah okay yeah what about the leno uh performance i because uh we've seen a couple of like late night performances and seen them live to um uh different bands uh live at late night performances and that could be a little hit or miss what was the leno performance like well, that was the one. I remember we drive, we drove down, and I wait, waited outside for thirty-three hours for that. Um, I was a sixth person. Thirty-three hours. Thirty-three hours. Wow. For for Leno because of the because it's in Burbank and it had you had to um, if you didn't have tickets you have to do standby. Yeah, because um, I live in Sacramento. Mike lived in Modesto. Amy lived in um, Monterey. So we just had to drive down there and ensure that we were going to be there. And I met this wonderful woman in line, and she let me take a shower at her house. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time we got in, I was, like, fresh and, recle- and cleansed. Um, it was... For me, also, I have a Polaroid with me, me and Jay Leno from the, before the show. Uh-huh. He, likes picks up people in the audience to kind of, like, have a moment with, and I was one of those people. Oh, okay. Uh, when you see, like, the shaking of Jay Leno's hand in the beginning, you can see me in that, too. Oh. <laughs> that... For that one, for me, it's like, it's just one song, but I'm like, I'm going to be here. Because it was, at that point, already the final shows were announced. Right. So we're like, we only have so many times or opportunities to see them. Uh, They did Cash Car Star, and they actually played the song twice. um, Because of, there was something that got picked up in the first recording. Uh, And that's when Kyle, known as Space Boy had made that uh, Jay Leno, or that Billy Corgan doll that Jay Leno held up. Right, When yeah. Billy was like, comedy doesn't pay. That's incredible. So yeah, Kyle made that. Um, and actually afterwards, I got a hug from Billy. Like, we all, like, some of us waited, like, near their bus and everything, and uh-huh. that's when he was, like I said, a little bit more touchy-feely. Uh-huh. And I um, did, like, a lot of the Oceana VIPs. Okay. During that tour as well. Um, the one in San Diego was like in the locker room of the venue. Okay. And so like <laughs> I'm standing so close to Billy that both of us are kind of leaning away from each other. Yeah. <laughs> just to give just a little like, bit of personal uh, space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's actually when I had seven tattoos, I showed him the seven. And he's like, seven, huh? 
And he's all, where's the tattoo of my face at? <laughs> and I was like, somebody might think he's, he said, somebody might think it's Mr. Clean. And I said, our Homer Simpson. Oh no. <laughs> so like, yeah, he joked about like my tattoos and stuff. And then like, can I share something that may sound a little weird? But it's not as weird as it sounds. I have three bottles of water that Billy Corgan has drank out of. <laughs> okay. And before anybody asks, no, I've never drank out of them. You just, I just have them. Have them. Uh, the first one was from the poetry uh, s- signing session in San Francisco when he like did a um, Q and A and everything. And I got to ask him a question at that too. Uh, and then like it, back then it was like the Fuji water mm-hmm. so I have that bottle so that's from 2005 in 2008 at the 20 year anniversary show in Las Vegas he had opened his Voss water and then shut it and then looked at me and handed it out and people around him was like wanting it he's like no that's for her <laughs> and then 2015 San Francisco Warfield show. Um, and that year, I actually, on that short tour, I went to Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. Um, you can see me on to Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. I did Jimmy Kimmel, San Francisco, Vegas, the show that they did at the Zia Record Store after. I think that was it. But um, 2015 is Warfield. It, there was one of his bottles on stage and like one of the stage people handed it to me. So if uh, God forbid anything happens to Billy, you have the DNA to help clone him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny. Cause like I've been doing like decluttering and stuff and like, but they're uh-huh. in like a glass case. Like I have a, a class case of smash and pumpkin stuff, including my signed autograph, Jimmy Chamberlain drumsticks. Oh, wow. Um, so they're in this glass case and like when everyone clean is like don't touch those bottles and then I gotta explain what, <laughs> what it's they about. are and they're like oh and I'm like I've never drank out of them <laughs> I just have them and I remember leaving Las Vegas and thinking like how the fuck am I gonna get this bottle back home and I said okay I'll check it in my suitcase but please say they don't open the fucking suitcase and t- throw out the water oh yeah and i was just so happy when i got it home and it was still (laughs) so yeah Yeah. well what would you say is your probably favorite era of the band i know you kind of touched on this a little bit um earlier but uh i i don't know if that kind of lines up with your favorite era but what would you say that is well okay so right now i am also going to say that while we're doing this podcast i have the smash and pumpkins video greatest hits collection playing on my TV right now. Right now we're at tonight tonight. Nice. Probably 2000. Okay. Yeah. Um because I I feel like it made them real to me and it was more I felt personal um at that time and also it was the time that I met a lot of other fans that I'm friends with to this day. Mhm. That I met outside Dimple Records. That's awesome. Um, and we're still in each other's lives. Like one of them, Chelsea, like I'm doing her hair on Saturday and we're going to San- Santa Barbara together. We nice. didn't meet technically that day. She actually was a, wa- a radio station winner for that. Oh, cool. But we met later on during like our travels and stuff. Because like also I had like Smash and Pumpkins parties um, to sh- guess show off like all my stuff. Because at the time my walls the ceilings of my apartment was covered in smash and pumpkins posters uh-huh. um that was also the years that they came out with like the calendars and i actually still have all of that stuff forgot about the calendars yeah i still have the calendars i still have <laughs> um i have smash and pumpkins air freshener in my car but it's like in a smash and pumpkins license plate frame oh, and wow. the picture that they released at the final show of the four of them with the black and white that has the stop the sign that says end. Yeah. I have that taped up in my car, but I found, cause I, the time I bought two smash and pumpkins air fresheners. And so I still have one in the package that's still completely like new that when the time comes, if I ever have to get a new car, 
it's going to go in there. Awesome. Okay, so then they would say like the 2000 was your kind of favorite era. What would you say, what is your relationship with the band today? Okay, so I'm going to be honest, and this is where it comes back to me being a black woman. Um, some of the things that Billy had said and him being friends with Alex Jones as a black fan and with the what was happening with our previous presidential administration. Um, I was in some Facebook groups and some of them, I was like an admin mod and basically we would all as admins mods have group chats, talk about things that were going on in the group. And then like one of us would just post what the mod consensus was about this topic in order to make it a more hospitable environment. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I was that person that would make those posts like, hey, this is a Smashing Pumpkins group. We don't need to be in here talking down or talking shit about Beyonce. Like, we don't need to be doing things like that. And so I won't say what the group is, but it's a very popular one. And I felt like misogynoir, if you don't know what misogynoir is, it is a specific type of misogyny that's directed specifically at black women. Oh. Um, I experienced that, including having my picture posted and people making fun of me. Oh my God. Um, and so for me, like, that was kind of like, wow, like it was just really sad and hurtful that like, this thing and like what holds with me is that I'm very blessed because as a fan I've experienced things from Smashing Pumpkins that I would have never thought of in my wildest dreams happening including like one time being at a sound check and jokingly saying set the ray to Jerry and Billy starts playing it <laughs> that's awesome like I and grateful for all of that. So then it's just very hurtful that like other people that like would even like understand like the significance of what that means or even know what the song is were showing that they were in fact a little anti-black, a little racist. And then it was just very hurtful. So for me with that and then the reunion situation with Darcy. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. That hurt. That hurt so much and i've seen i've seen them with darcy without jimmy and i've seen with jimmy without darcy so i've never seen the original four together yeah i don't think i have either yeah i because when i saw them in 96 they had matt walker because it was after the fact and then when i saw yeah. them during machina yeah it was with uh, melissa yeah so as a fan i i can't hold that but i can hold everything else that i've had mm -hmm. as like i'm a hardcore fan oh my favorite video starting ava door um <laughs> So, in 2018, I underestimated buying tickets in person again and, like, people in line. And I should have been the first person in line. And I was very upset because, side note, etiquette. If you're ever in line in person to buy a ticket for a concert, you are willing to pay the most expensive to be the closest. You don't sit there and haggle about oh, well, I only want to pay this much so I can sit here because what's happening is more tickets are being sold and people behind you who want to be in the front now are not in the front because you're sitting there bullshitting at the fucking ticket counter. <laughs> yeah. So in 2018, I went and funny enough, it was the new arena that replaced Arco Arena where the first place I saw them. Uh -huh. And it was now an arena show again. And I'm on the floor, but I'm like 30 rows back. <laughs> so just like I said this is fitting this is fitting for me I'm this is the last Smashing Pumpkins concert I'm gonna go to I was just like that's it I'm done I'm never seeing them in concert again 2019 rolls around uh, and they're doing the tour and they're playing Shoreline which I fucking hate Shoreline <laughs> and it's like hard to get there from where I live mm -hmm. but on the day of the show I was like I'm gonna go and then my friend's like no we're getting you off this drug that you're on which is smashing pumpkins we're gonna go see the movie midsummer <laughs> which the segues into midsummer is like my favorite movie and i didn't go see smashing pumpkins but i found a new love in midsummer which i wound up seeing nine times in the theater and have a recreation of her make queen outfit and everything and like it's 
fucking you haven't seen Midsummer, fucking wonderful. I, have. I call it my favorite rom com. Yeah. Yeah, it's my favorite rom com. So good. <laughs> so then this Rock Invasion 2 thing is starting to get announced. And I'm personally going through like some like medical things and then some friends of mine were like, hey, we're all gonna go together. And I said, I'll go see the Smashing Pumpkins again because we're all gonna be together. But then everybody went rogue and then bought all their own fucking tickets. Uh, so we weren't going to be together. So I was like, I'm guess I'm not going to go. Like, I'm not going to go to go sit way in the fucking back. Yeah. Like, fuck all this noise. And then, thanks to you, I'm sitting in Jay. Everybody's separated, but I'm still fucking going. And it's on Friday the 13th, so I can mash like my Jason Voorhees with my Smash and Pumpkins. Oh, I've already yeah. got my outfit out. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I forgot about that. That is Friday. That's so funny. Yeah, so I am already like, I'm planning, I'm, I'm actually back on it. And so, like, what broke back mountain, like, why can't I just quit you? <laughs> Everybody's like, I thought you were off of that. And I was like, well, yeah, life is short. And um, I'm taking a step back from performing burlesque for a while. And I'm going back to my first love, which was concerts. So I have quite a few concerts coming up. But um, yeah, I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. For me, like like I said, being a black woman in this fandom and like in even Death Cab for Cutie, like I've always been in a rock music that's kind of been in black people and fitted rock and roll anyways. But yeah. like that's just kind of been what I've always been into. And it's been hard because for me, when I started talking about black lives matter, like I actually started like black arts matter where I live to like, try to bring awareness, like anti-blackness in art, which is very prevalent. Um, I started losing people around me because I became outspoken about these things. And it, I mean, for me, my harassment was like my pictures being posted, calling me like the kind of Sacramento, my information being put on Craigslist. So I got dick pics from strangers on my birthday oh my God. Um, to when I was protesting a former performance group with one other person about them keeping a rapist into their event group space and then getting rid of me as the only black woman. They sent somebody to throw eggs at my face. Oh my God. So... For me, as, like, someone who's been, like, suicidal most of their life, someone who is a woman, someone who is black, someone who is not thin, so I've got to deal with fat phobia, I'm dark-skinned, so i got to deal with colorism, like, i got to deal with, like, all this different shit, and I kept a lot of it in for so long, and then I was just like... No, like if we know better, we do better. Right. And so it it just it had just been frustrating because like Smashing Pumpkins for the longest time was like my safe space and then it no longer became my safe space. Yeah, because of certain uh people in the fan community who tend to be toxic or just totally turn their backs on you. Yeah, and and it's funny too because like as a fan, I'm not one of those fans that, like, takes everything, like, there are certain things that Smashing Pumpkins and Billy has done that I do not like. And funny, Bridge School Benefit in 2008, Josh Groban came out and sang Disarm with them. Mm -hmm. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> so you smart, you like you left me here. If you're not familiar with Bridge School, it was Neil Young's uh, annual benefit concert yeah. at Shoreline Amphitheater. And it's usually around October, Halloween time, so people dress in costumes. But I guess in 2008, people stopped doing that, so I was dressed as a Joker. Oh, no. And I had a Smashing Pumpkins flag that I was, like, in 12th row, like, like waving, waving, waving. And then when Josh Groban came out, I kind of dropped my flag and was like, oh, hell no. And I see, like... Um, Gabe and I forget the other gentleman's name who's from No Doubt who played horns on that tour. I saw them shaking their head and I, then I see Billy shake his head but I didn't think much of it. 
This couple who was sitting next to us was like, here, take our backstage passes. We don't want to go back there. So I was like, oh, fuck yeah. And this concert was special to me because like my two favorite bands, Smashing Pumpkins and Death Cab for Cutie were both playing. So we get backstage and like we talk to people and then like Gabe comes out and he's all, we saw your face from the stage. And I said, what? Oh no. He's like, yeah, we saw your face from the stage. I was like, oh. (laughs) And Billy comes out. And Billy's like, I saw your face from the stage. He's all, you didn't like that? I said, no, I did not like that. Oh. And he's like, okay. And I have a picture with him. The picture of me with my green wig was taken backstage at (laughs) bird school after I was like. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) You have, if you've not listened to the recording, please go listen. I've only listened to to it once. We we kind of mentioned it in passing. We just left it at that. (laughs) Yeah. Have you been to other uh, bridge school benefits that they performed at? That was actually the only one I'd been that they had performed at. And okay. then I went to another one when Death Cab performed again. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the Everlasting Gaze video is on. That's <laughs> such a great video. What's your favorite Smashing Pumpkins video? Mine personally? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's hard to say. I, I really have a soft spot for Rocket, personally. Um, Mine is Ava Adora. Yeah, that's up there for sure. Yeah, That. so why, why Ava Adora for you? There's just something about, like... The way it starts and he stands up and then walking through the different rooms and like that snarl he gives and just like to me like the atmosphere and the aesthetics of the video yeah even though rocket was the song that made me fall in love with him which is why rocket was named rocket Mm -hmm. like there's just something about Ava Dora to me that I'm just like, yeah, it's my it's my favorite one. There's also something I know a lot of people at the time were like, oh, my God, the, he's so freaky. He looks like, you know, they do the Uncle Fester jokes. But I was like, I think he's sexy. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, mean, I think I think I, I think he's sexy. And this. that's when he became sexy to me. Yeah. To me, it was I prior to that, I was just like, whatever. And yeah. then the lyrics of a door, because I remember oh, this is another fun little story. I went to Virgin Megastore when Adore was being released and at midnight and I was wearing my Smashing Pumpkins shirt and I got in line and they give you like raffle tickets and what they were giving out is the previous, all other previous Smashing Pumpkins CDs mm-hmm. and I won the raffle even though I already had the CDs <laughs> but like I won the raffle for that and I remember getting Adore home and listening to it for the first time and I was like Oh. <laughs> okay. Whatever. And then listening to it more and more. And then I was like, oh. And then for me, it's actually a tie between Siamese Dream and Adore's being my favorite album. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. The people, the the people that we've run into that 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 Adore is their favorite album. And I actually have a friend. Who became a fan after Adore. And I think there's a few people that became fans during Machina. Yeah. We we talked to, I mean, we, we encounter a lot of people who kind of came to the band during Machina because they were old enough to kind of discover that at that time. Um, yeah, because I was, I was uh, 11 or so when I first heard them, you know? So it's like at the right age to become obsessed and stuff. So... Yeah, it's kind of funny how that, it, just what you're exposed to and it just hitting a right frequency, you know? Yeah, I remember, like, yeah, you know, for me, when I discovered them and then I was like, oh, they had an album named Gish and then Pisces is Scary. And I remember going to the warehouse and giving them $40 for the airplane flies high. And <laughs> I just like everything that way I could find, like, at the time. And I, I will also say this, like, my collection of Smashing Pumpkin stuff, um, nothing I have. I have bought duplicates on eBay, but the original, like, I already had it, mm-hmm. but I'm just that type of person. My collection was all done organically. Yeah. Like, it was all done by just buying stuff where I was. I, 
I probably have close to 100 Smashing Pumpkins t-shirts. I have like three of those damn belt buckles, two of those Zygeist flags, one of the old school Smashing Pumpkins flag, some coffee cups, Euphoria on VHS and um, The Greatest Hits on VHS. Nice. I even bought the Stigmata soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Victoria's Secret Christmas CD. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I got, I have all four lithographs from the Machina era. Um, I still have record flats. I still have Machina stickers. Oh, wow. I have set list. I have a lot of guitar picks. I have the poster I made of pictures of me, Jimmy and me with Billy signed by Jimmy and Billy. I have a button made that I would wear. I wore my second picture with Billy from the first picture together. And I have a giant version of that button signed by Billy. Oh, right. I think you posted that on uh, your Insta. Yeah. One of my clients used to work at Virgin. So she gave me the future embrace um, store display and I have Oceana store display. Oh, nice. What do you think of the Oceania uh, era? I enjoyed the era. I don't think that I liked Mike Byrne. Yeah. And I really enjoyed Bear Cubbin's CD. I fucking love that CD. Like, I listen to it still to this day. Yeah. It, it was really good and underrated. Um, a thing about Oceana that, like, for me, the input that Nicole and Mike put on that album made it feel like it was a band album again. Yeah, exactly. And it made me sad that it was just dissipated just as quickly. But like Oceana felt like a band album again, not just like Billy Corgan and some people. Like it felt like all four had like creative input into what was put out. And yeah, I think it's an underrated album. And like with Smashing Pumpkin side projects, I actually went to the Chelsea show that Melissa had with like radio and Sam oh, and. Yeah. Yeah, how was that? Um, I actually have a Chelsea tank top signed by all of them. That's awesome. And I have my Melissa Oftimar CD signed when she came. And it's funny because she's like, hey, come down to LA for, um, I'm performing like on Jalen or something. And I was like, oh, I was in beauty school at the time. And I was like, I'm learning hair cutting next week. She's like, I see how it is. You come down when it's the pumpkins. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, But yeah, I I went to that show and I went to Bear Cub and show when they came here locally and they wound up crashing at my friend's house. Well, uh, I don't want to keep you too long here. I mean, I could talk pumpkins forever and I'm sure we'll see each other at the uh, Rock Invasion show. Um, But I just want to kind of sum up what do the pumpkins mean to you? Have you thought about the favorite video yet? <laughs> I, I <laughs> just turning it on me. You know, I, I personally, I, I really love. Uh, I think it's probably a toss up between Rocket and Stand Inside Your Love. Not try, 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 because that's the video that's on right now. No, uh, yeah, the Jonas Ockerlin. Not, not a big fan of that video. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think those. It's so. It's so depressing. It's one of those things where I'm like, it's just Pat and I had talked about it, but just being like, it's like Requiem for a Dream or any Todd Solon's movie where you're just like, I've seen that once. I'm good. I don't need to see it again. No, but I I rewatch Requiem for a Dream and I fucking watch Midsummer and Hereditary and shit all the time. See, okay. I watch Titanic all the time too. Yeah. But there's like, this is a level of like, I don't know if I need to see that again. Yeah, that that's pretty rough. I mean, Midsummer I could see rewatching, but Hereditary that was one for me. I'm like, oh boy, I'm <laughs> this is great, but I'm done. <laughs> oh, speaking of movies, the like, I don't know where the fuck I was when this happened, but the Footloose remake has window pane in a fucking scene. Like, I have it on the background because I'm a huge Kevin Bacon person. Yeah, and I love the original, and so. They had a free movie channel preview, and I was like, I'll watch this shit. And I'm just, like, scrolling on my phone, and all of a sudden, I'm, like, hearing, Do what you're gonna do. And say what you're gonna say. I was like, what the? What the fuck? What? Huh? 
Whoa. And so, like, I had to Google it, and I was, like, fucking shocked that I was like, how did I not know this information? Yeah, I mean, with the remake, too, and, like, in the, what was that, the late aughts or so when that came out? And it's just such a strange... Yeah, 2011. 2011. So even then, it's, like, kind of a strange choice to pick a Gish song for the remake of Footloose. Yeah. That is, like, so surprised. Well, yeah, when you messaged us that, I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> so surprised by that. Uh, but I guess, you know, uh, I wonder who the music supervisor was for that, or if that was a director or the writer who was like, this has to be in there. Like, it's just so random. It's kind of like, have you ever seen the movie May? That sounds familiar. No. Oh, it's so good with Angela Bettis, Anna Ferris, and uh, Jeremy Sisto. Uh, but there's like some breeders songs in there. And I was just like, because there's a movie that my friend puts on to like make people upset. <laughs> Okay. And then it backfired on me. Uh, and I was like, I fucking love this movie. Because I like oh, I heard wow. the Breeders song and I was like, that's a choice. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And also, I mean, I also own Spun because of right. the Billy scene. Yeah, I can't wait for that music to come out. I have what season seven of The Simpsons on DVD. And it's the only season I have because the Homer Palooza episode. Right. <laughs> I fucking got Transformers on DVD because the scene where they tie Bumblebee to the truck plays Doomsday Clock. I was that level of fan. Wow. Yeah, which now saying it, I was like, fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, that kind of ties into, uh, like, again, uh, not, not necessarily now, but overall, what does the band mean to you? For me, I love the fact that they're able to make such, like, quiet, beautiful, sad ballads, but then, like, go hard and rock and like hard as fuck um so to me it kind of speaks to my bipolarness like that they can be like really soft like in like i love set the rate of jerry like it's such a beautiful fucking song yeah um but then you know have things like xyu mm -hmm. um or geek usa uh so for me like the band reminds me of my youth and getting me through those hard times and making the world a little less scary and big finding out that other people have felt the way that i feel yeah i also feel like being a smashing pumpkins fan in some way makes people sort of like music snobs <laughs> because of the wide palette yeah, yeah i feel like yeah the way in the fact that like i know Okay, we all know that they deserved already be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, without a doubt. They, they should have already fucking been there. It's weird that they've never been nominated. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because of because of some of his actions and behaviors that Billy is probably the reason why it hasn't happened. He seems to be a very polarizing figure but not endured in people like I hate to bring up this person because I fully believe that they are an abuser but it's kind of in this context Marilyn Manson yeah Marilyn Manson is also very polarizing yet he has a lot of support because the way he carried himself in interviews and the way he spoke and all that stuff that he seemed like to be a very intelligent man um, that Billy doing it comes off as like pompous and arrogant right. but it also speaks to the fact that like if we look at the Smashing Pumpkins albums and how every album is sound different they've actually been talked down to and dismissed because of that but then would take a band like Radiohead where all of their albums sound different they get praised for it in addition yeah. to the fact that Smashing Pumpkins I believe preceded Radiohead by giving out free content to their fans with Machina 2, Friends and Enemies of Modern Music, yep. by making sure that it was accessible to all their fans. I still have the downloaded DVD covers and discs that, that came out with, which was really cool when they made that available. Yeah. Before Radiohead did it. But like Smashing Pumpkins didn't get the praise for it that Radiohead did. Um, and unfortunately, like, they should be put on a higher pedestal. They should have 
already had these accolades, but because the way that Billy polarizes people in a way hasn't worked for them. Yeah, and it's always kind of weird when you compare to other artists and other bands that kind of have that presence and you're just like, why this? Why why him? Why this band that they just all collectively, there's just something that he rubs the wrong way. But for, for us, for the music, that's kind of what wins out. Yeah, like it, it just totally sucks. Because like... I- I don't know about you, but it's kind of hard being a Smashing Pumpkins fan. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about pumpkin-wise? The Metro DVD. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, we've... It's like you and Ode to No One is, like, on right now. And I'm just thinking, like, 22 years later. Yeah. I mean, who knows if we'll ever see that stuff. I mean, I know we talked to the guy who filmed the Rising Tour... Um, and he's been trying to get that stuff out, but there were conditions and stuff, and I don't think it's ever going to come out. Like watching this one in like the energy of being in the Metro at that time, like I was just so like, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm in here. Yeah. It was just, and then all the like stories of people who were taping and then got caught. Oh yeah, (laughs) you're right. Yeah. Somebody got caught like in the middle sucking silver fuck. Uh Uh-huh. And then, yeah. That's why there's like, no recording of, yeah, uh, past, uh, right? Isn't that, it? yeah, I think we covered the Metro show where it's like it, uh, all the recordings just cut off during Silver Funk. Yeah, it was, it was, that was, but that show was, I mean, to be there, I'm still shocked that I was at it. I'm very grateful, like, as a fan for the experiences I've had because, like, I feel like they're fucking amazing. And not a lot of people have been able to experience that. And I am very blessed on, like, this level, like, of this band to be, like, the things that I've done and, and seen. And then my other favorite band, like, on the same level of, like, interactions that I've had with, like, them. Yeah. So even though I have to deal with, like, a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> I feel for me, like... I'm blessed in this other avenue of life because the things that I've been able to do or say that I've done is the things that a lot of people can't say. It was great talking to you, Monet, and I'm really looking forward to meeting you at the Rock Invasion show. Where can people find you online if you want them to? <laughs> um, Instagram. At Disneyland, that's N-I-Z-Z-N-E-Y-L-A-N-D. It rhymes with Disneyland, um, which I'm going to for May the 4th be with you because I'm also a Star Wars person and I'm dressing like Jar Jar Binks. Because no (laughs) one dresses like Jar Jar Binks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Just stirring the pot a little bit there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anything you want to plug? Um... Well, I'm probably going to start a podcast soon. I'm thinking it's probably going to be Disneyland because I feel like for me, with my different interests, like I can't just do a Smash and Pumpkins podcast or a Death Cab podcast or a right. Titanic podcast or a Midsummer podcast or a horror podcast. Like I feel like I have to do like an amusement park, have different sections and like talk yeah. about all this shit. Um, that sounds great. So that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go with all my fandoms of stuff because like somebody said something about me. They're like, Monet, when you love something, you really fucking love something. Mm-hmm. And it's actually kind of true. That's a perfect place for a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is, you know, I do have a lot of fandoms, so let's go ahead and explore all of them. So I'm, but if you follow me on Disneyland, of course, I'll have things about that. My personal Facebook page is a little bit more like it's where I get like a little bit more political. And like if you follow me on any of the socials, though, be beware that you are going to see cats, hair, boobies and like random memorabilia. So if you like any of those things, then I'm the perfect person to follow. It's <laughs> like I was one of those people like I can't do a different performer profile and I'm not gonna do a different hair right. profile like everything's gonna fucking be together Monet uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on here it's been such a wonderful chat with you 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm like really excited to kind of connect to the Smash and Pumpkins fan community again. So we'll see. Yeah, there's some there's some really, I, you know, there's still some toxic corners, but we've met some really amazing people, you being one of them. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you.